0: Um, yes, yeah, so I'd like to welcome everyone to our fall programming this year, and the third part of a series on the laws of Kashrut and jewish Tal relations by Dr. Shana stroud Schick. As you may remember from last week and the previous weeks, Dr. Schick is a fellow of the Center for Israel Studies at Yeshiva University and teaches Talmud and Halacha at Michal at Mivasar at Yerushalayim and Matan in Israel and in the Drisha Summer Kolal. In 2011, she became the first woman to be awarded a PhD in Talmudic literature from Bernard Ravel Graduate School at Yeshiva University, where she also completed an MA in Bible. She studied in the graduate program in advanced Talmud at Stern College and has held postdoctoral fellowships at Bar-Ilan and Haifa University. Her upcoming book, Between Thought and Deed, Intention and Talmudic Jurisprudence, examines the role of intentionality in the development of Talmudic law and is being published by Brill, and without further ado, Dr.
1: Thank you so much and welcome back. Um, so those of you uh, who are uh, uh, signed up, you received a new set of a text that we're going to start that we're going to look at today. However, we didn't uh, finish our ones from last week. So um, if you still have those, I'm, I mean, please use those uh, to begin with. I can share my screen if necessary. Um, first, just to review what we have been doing. So we are talking about prohibition of bishul akum, and uh, we were talking about when the prohibition of bishul akum does not apply. When are you allowed to eat the food cooked by a non-Jew? So we saw, first of all, any food that can be eaten raw, the prohibition would not. Apply to So vegetables that are cooked, water, um, all that, that could be a, there's no problem of a, a bishalakum, food that is not served on a king's uh, table. So in that realm, maybe have you know, certain breakfast, uh, cereals, those kind of, not kind of food that would be, a, um, you know, put out a big quit or, you know, that, pro- if an Andrew, a cook such food, there'd be no prohibition of a bishalakum. And hence, it says it's not so relevant for you know living our day-to-day lives, but uh, Kashrut organizations will give a hashgacha to these kinds of uh, foods. Um, you know, back in the day, there there was a day when Kashrut was not a very big uh, industry and people had to rely on reading the ingredients. So uh, we lived in such a time. You know, this would be something to be aware of as well. Um, another thing we saw is if you have food which, to which akum would apply mixed with foods that Vishalakum would not apply, if there's more of the latter, then Vishalakum also does not apply. So, for example, we saw uh, uh, coffee. Even though coffee beans cannot be eaten raw, Water can and when so, yeah, cooked. So, even though the coffee beans are roasted by a non Jew, if it's cooked by a non Jew, since there's more water than a coffee beans, that makes it a taruvet, a mixture, and there's more of the non abishalakum part than the abishalakum part, and that makes it a kosher as well. We also saw another possible leniency where um, it occurs in the house of a Jew. Now, this one was less uh, unanimous. And we saw multiple opinions about this. Um, so we saw Rabbi Tam, the Tosafist, grandson of Rashi, rejected this as a source of leniency, um, whereas the Ravid um, allowed it. And he said, uh, in this case, you know, there's no fear of eating non-kosher um, uh, food. And as, uh, quoted in uh, Tosvo, there's also, there's no fear of inter- intermarriage as well, but other, uh, texts see, this difference of opinion between Rabbi Nathanael and the Ravid as a result of what is the reason for a Vishalakim. If it's a fear of inter intermarriage, then it wouldn't help if it was in the house of a Jew. But if it's a fear of eating non kosher food, then it will indeed help if the food is being produced in the house of the, or cooked in the house of a Jew. And we saw that this uh, divide carried on between the Shulchan Arach. And the Ramah, Rav Yosef Akairo of the Sephardi Shulchan Arach versus Rev, uh, Rev, uh, Rev Moshe Israelis of the Ashkenazi Ramah as to how we uh, hold in this matter. The Shulchan Arach, and generally was a lot more uh, strict on it and said this is not a c that would help. And he says, now if the non-Jew making the food in your home is a... Uh, servants, then he says, are those who are lenient. Now, even within that, the Ramban, Nachmanadi, said, maybe that would only apply if the person was a slave and had no choice in whether they can make your food or not. But then he ultimately rejected that because he said the Shulchan didn't say that. And in terms of the Ramah, he said that if a non-Jew cooked the food in your house, after the fact you can certainly eat the food. Whether you can tell a non-Jew to cook food in your home, lechatilah, is another matter. But he said if the non-Jew in your home is a event, then even lechatilah you can have them cook the food for you. Um, so, you know, whether people rely on this or not, you know, certainly there are differences of opinions and what I would say that if you're at, you know, I remember a few years ago I was at a person's home and they had an unknown Jew making the uh, barbecue uh, for them and this person says, well, did you see a Jew uh, turn on the uh, barbecue? Or not. And uh, you know, you would first of all, we'll see whether that helps is not even unanimous. And that itself can be somewhat controversial. But even not, one uh, could uh, certainly rely on the Ramah in that case and eat the food if you're at a person's house and the food had been cooked by a non Jew and a Jew had not been involved in the cooking process in some way. Um, so certainly the Diabad, one could rely on the Ramah and whether they can rely on the Lichat as well. You know, certainly, every case is its own case. And if so, someone has, you know, someone washes their kids and they're not they're home to uh, turn on the oven and, you know, and they have to make the food for their kids, could they rely on that? You know, certainly there's room to rely on uh, the Rama. Okay. Now, the reason the Rama was lenient, he said because, um, so if everyone has the uh, text, uh, I can share it on the screen, though so, um, it's a little bit more complicated to do that. But the, so, one of the reasons for the Ramaz leniency about why food that a non Jew cooks in your own home is a kosher is he said that it's impossible that a Jew is not going to yichate, it's not going to dope the coals or uh, the food, meaning a Jew will most likely be involved in the cooking process in uh, some way. And that is the the, the reason the Ramah allows us to rely on this leniency. Um, So now we have to understand that leniency, that why does it help if a Jew is involved in the cooking uh, process? So this is where we left off. Um, We left off with, uh, we saw a text from the Babli, um, a very, it was a fairly long one, about where um, a Jew gets involved with the cooking up process. And, and that's where we left off. And, you know, it said, you know, if, a non- if either a Jew puts the food on the fire and then a non-Jew uh, flips it over, or a non-Jew puts the food on the fire and a Jew uh, flips it over, the food would be a uh, fine. Then it brought anecdotes. even an open Jew, even the man puts the meat on the grill and then he goes to shul or to the big midrash and a non-Jew comes in and turns the food over, that's a fine, we're not concerned, uh, con- uh, and if a Jewish woman left a pot of food on the fire, then she either goes to shul or the bathhouse, I speculated maybe that's taking place in Tavaria where the shul and the bathhouse were indeed next to each other, but um, while she's away, a non-Jewish woman comes and deserves uh, the food. Again, we don't, we don't have a concern uh, and it would not be a problem of a Akum. outcome. And then it brought a, a, a final case, which seemed to be about uh, baking. And so we're in now um, the last line of uh, that uh, Bobley text that we uh, started looking at last time. Um, in uh, the Gemara in Avodah Zarah, hard thing to do, but it's in Avodah Zarah, Lamechet um, Ametbet, um, 38B. Um, so the Gemara says as follows, and it's on the bottom of page uh, two, top of page three from last time. So the last two lines say, um, that it's, my name. it's the last two lines on page two, So whether a non-Jew puts the food on the fire and the Jew flips it over, or whether a Jew put the food on the fire and a non-Jew turns the food over, mu'atar. This food is allowed. It's fine. It's a kosher food. The food is only prohibited if both the beginning and the end, meaning the entire process, was done by a non Jew. And then this is now at the top of page three. Ravina says, and the halacha is the law is as uh, follows. Ha rifta de shagar obey kochabim and that a non Jew uh, fueled they uh, put the wooden and lit it the afa Yisrael then a Jew uh, bakes in it inami or shagar Yisrael the afa obey or a Jew uh, fueled it and a non Jew uh, baked in it inami or shagar obey kochabim the afa Or a non Jew is the one who put the uh, wood uh, and fueled it. And a non Jew is also the one who baked it. And what did a Jew do? A Jew came and doped the uh, coals. Shafir Dami. That is okay. That is adequate. So if all a Jew did was dope the coals a little bit, or in our day, me would be just the uh, flame or the uh, knobs, that would be okay. That's not a problem of being cooked by a non-Jew. Now I uh, purposely didn't say a because the question is what does this case refer to? Because as we see here, if you look through this uh, bodily text, throughout it referred to putting meat on the uh, fire. We're putting a pot on the fire. And when it referred to meat or a pot, then it said that you had to either mix it or put it on or uh, turn it over. And only when it refers to hafa. And what does hafa mean? It means to uh, bake. And what does bake refer to? Usually uh, bread. And the question is, when it says if you bake and it's adequate to just uh, stoke the uh, coals, does that only refer to when you're baking a bread, which, as we'll see, hopefully uh, later on uh, today, is a lot more lenient, according to most opinions, than a bishalak, than food cooked by anandu, or would this leniency apply to a cooking as well, and not just to where it's a case of a baking? And that's a dispute um, that we're going to see addressed by the medieval re- uh, shonen. And um, we'll see here, it's the, a, a toast vote now taking more lenient position than the Rambam. So I think we began this a little bit last week, but I'll, I'll do it again now. So the Rambam said on page, then we're, again, we're on the top of page three. So he writes in uh, his Halachot, Ma'achalot Asurot. He writes here, in a Paragid zain Dagim kitanim small uh, fish shemachan Yisrael or akum harim kemosh batshlub mezapi So a Jew um, or a non-Jew, uh, a small uh, fish, that's as if you already begun the cooking uh, process. So if a non-Jew goes and uh, cooks it after the Jew has put uh, salt on it, that's okay, because the Jew has done a part in the process. And as long as a Jew participated a little bit in the the, uh, cooking, and it doesn't matter if the Jew cooked a little bit at the beginning or at the end, that food is allowed. You are allowed to eat that food. Therefore, therefore, if a non-Jew puts meat or a pot on the fire, the Israel, and a Jew uh, turns it over. either turns the meat over, or he or the Jew mixes the food, and therefore hastening the uh, cooking. Oh, or it's the Jew who put the food on the fire and then the non-Jew who uh, come up, come up it, either again by uh, by uh, turning the food over or mixing it. That is okay. That's not a problem of a bishel often. So when you're uh, cooking, the Jew has to do a part in the a process. What does the Rambam say with regard to pot akum by a bread? The Rambam is a little uh, different. And there we'll see when we do padakum, there he says it's adequate to just uh, toss in a uh, straw to add to the fire. Uh, and even if it uh, doesn't help in any meaningful way. So it's very clear that for the Bomb for my it is in order for a Jew helping in the cooking, um, for, for it to not be a problem of Abishal Akum, the Jew has to contribute uh, in a meaningful way and not just in a uh, token uh, turning the. Uh, that wouldn't help for the Rambam, for Abishal Akum a problem. Toast votes, on the other hand, disagrees. And the source after the Rambam, a toast votes on the Bobbly text we, we saw before. On the line the where the Jew comes and uh, stokes the coal. So a toast book here writes So says a toast book, When you read through this Babli attack, when you read through this Sugya, the feel is, or it implies, that a Jew does have to help. In the cooking uh, process, a Jew has to do an act that makes it a cook. However, Toastbot says, the halacha and what people actually do here are not exactly the same. But he says, but in actuality, people act the a custom of the people in medieval uh, uh, Germany. Was to throw a straw into the fire. So, what do they do? That's, how can they do that when it goes against the clear Peshat of the Bablia Sogia? So, Atosos explains that So they rely on this book, a post talmudic book, which uh, gives a list of all the, uh, the differences between the Jews who lived in Babel versus the Jews who lived in the land of Israel. Because there, it says uh, Tosfos explains the Kamar Babel So in this book, Tosfos writes that people in Babel would say that you can throw a straw into the oven and that helps. And that will take care of the Bishul Akum uh, problem. Ma'arab, whereas the people of the West, meaning people who live in the West, Israel, the people who live in the land of Israel, What does it adding a uh, straw do? That does nothing. It's re- meaningless and uh, throwing in a uh, straw to the fire will not help the Bishul Akum uh, problem. So says says uh, to us, folks, Anu mimshachim achar b'nei uh, babel, the Talmudam, so we rely on that. We rely on the people of uh, of Baga and their uh, Talmud, who did rely on throwing a straw into the fire. Um, so, for the Rambam, in order for a Jew being involved to help with the Bishul Akum, a problem, the Jew must can uh, attribute to the cooking in a meaningful way. That's the view of the Rambam, we'll see the Shohar goes with this as well. Whereas for uh, toast folks, you can throw a stick into the fire and that's adequate. And he says, you know, they say maybe it's against the Peshat of the sugya, uh, but he says there is a a uh, precedent uh, for it in this book, which lists the uh, uh, differences between people who lived in Babel versus the land of Israel. And apparently at one point in uh, Badal, people would rely on throwing a twig into the fire. And so any kind of act, even if it doesn't actually can attribute to a cooking, would be adequate to take care of the Bishul a problem. So going back to our, when was the prohibition of Bishul akum not apply? if the Jews involved in the cooking? For the Ram Abam and for Sephardim, they'd have to be involved in a very meaningful way. I mean, it's not enough to just you know, adjust the, on your oven, rest for uh, uh, tosa folks, and we'll see the Rama. It is enough to uh, do that. Even a symbolic action, which uh, doesn't actually help the cooking at all, would take care of the visual outcome a problem. And so, you know, if you're at your house, you're a an nonju cook uh, for you, um, Dispensing with this uh, previous akula you just, you know, turn on the oven or adjust the flame, that's enough to take care of it being a Bishop Akham a problem for Ashkenazim. Um, okay, so that is um, this dispute between the um, the Rambam on the one hand and a, a Atosvot on the other hand. And as I um, mentioned last time, um, you know, this leniency brought by a toast boat which you know, it was, you could see, it's kind of, go, it's a, a matter of what does a text say versus what do the people actually uh, do. And it seems in medieval Ashkenaz, Jewish people rely on non-Jews to cover for them. And it seems that many people have written about, likely due to the uh, prevalence of non-Jewish uh, slaves um, just all over Western Europe at this point. in uh, Germany, um, there's a lot written about this. And just... People relied on uh, slaves to do their work uh, for them, and the fact that often people didn't own their own oven, um, that's especially going to become relevant when we speak about pot doctrine, but there was one oven per a village, per uh, a town, and so people were not even in kind of a troll often of, you know, being able to make their uh, food. Um, and again, that was much more so in the case of making a bread than anything else. But uh, this was just a toast boat of the reality of their life, of the lives of the people in their uh, time, um, and not that they're uh, looking for a halachic uh, precedent, but, you know, certainly it seems that if we're relying on the Peshat of the Bhabli alone, this is not the way they would have uh, gone. Um, but you know, this is what people do and we do have a halakhic, uh, a precedent to rely on. Um, and so therefore a uh, toast goes with this, uh, leniency that the Rambam does not at all feel comfortable, does not even suggest as a possibility, um, at all. Okay, now, um, in the next, uh, source I brought for you, um, the Ran cites another Sephardi uh, we've shown the Ramban Nachmanides and the Ran here, writes uh, So, those people, those sins Ashkenazim, who rely on the uh, throwing dig into the, the fire, this is Nachmanides. Nachmanides writes, This will not help. Since it's like the Rambam, like my monomies, the Ramban feels it's not going to help if you just throw a twig into the fire. However, writes the Darran, he then uh, cites the Ramban some more. However, the Ramban also wrote, "The mighty Israel, If, however, the Jew, the Jew, I didn't just throw a little piece of uh, straw in, but actually brought the uh, coals and put them in the oven, or, or put in this very large oven, and from those coals that the Jew brought, that's what they then like, maybe if the Jew's the one who be again, the, the heating of, of process, maybe that would help. So uh, turning on the fire, uh, maybe, maybe that does help. Because in that way, the Jews is really uh, fueling the oven. So I don't know if it's exactly parallel to turning on the oven. In this case, the Jew brings the the um, the the wood from which the fire be against. If the Jew brings like most of the wood, then he's really bringing or she's really bringing the main... Uh, source of the uh, fuel, maybe that would be um, okay. Um, so, says the Ramban, it's not enough to throw a little uh, straw in, you have to kind of attribute the main, um, the main course of a wood that's going to be used in heating the uh, fire. Um, so a token act would not be okay for the Ramban. Um, and uh, so it's you know a little bit of a leniency more than what the Rambam mentions because the Rambam uh, didn't even mention uh, this much, but the Rambam does allow for the Jew uh, fueling the oven to um, help with the Bishul uh, Akum problem. And now let us just look to how the halacha is brought down in the Shulchan Aruch. Um, and as you know, I note here the Shulchan goes with the Rambam and the Rama goes with Atzilus. So the Shulchan Aruch in um, as long as a Jew cooks um, a little bit, it could be the beginning, it could at the end, then it's fine. It's not a problem of official So again, if a non Jew puts the meat or the, or the pot on the fire, and a Jew either turns the meat over or stirs the pot. Or, or a non is the one who uh comes up, pleats it that is uh fine. Now, the rama here adds in a leniency, even if the food would not have ever been uh, cooked without the non Jew either uh, turning it over or mixing the pot, it's still okay. Now, if you recall from last week, I know it's been a long time, that's against what the Talmud uh, said, but the Ramah is lenient. Even if the food would not have been uh, cooked unless the non-Jew got involved, the Ramah is lenient and says that this food is kosher. And that is not something which everyone would agree with, but the Ramah, once again, is lenient in this regard. Um, And the Shach points out that what the Rama says is against what we saw in the Babli last week. So in the next uh, text, you have the Shach here writes, uh, uh, commenting on the Rama. What the Rama writes is a question to who neged hashat, because it is against what it writes explicitly in the Babli. It goes against what it said outright in the Suya and Abu Dazzara that we saw. So, how could the Ramah be lenient? How, how could he say that even if the food would not have been cooked, had the non Jew come and uh, turn the meat over or mix the pot, it's uh, kosher, when that goes against what the Babli uh, says? So, the Shah says what uh, a toast boat says. The Ramah, too, must be relying on that book that Atosvot mentioned, which lists the menhagim uh, that are different between people who live in Israel versus people who live in Ababel. Um And so even though it goes against the Babli, which we have, we, you know, just like a toast vote relied on that leniency, um, so too the Ramah is relying on it as well. Um, and so, again, a toast vote rely on leniency to allow a Jew to throw in a straw to help with the problem of a bishop. And the Ramah will rely on this work to say that if a non Jew, non-Jew, uh, to, if the intervention of the non Jew caused the food to be uh, cooked, without which it would not have been uh, cooked. That food is still a kosher, not a problem of a bishalakum. The Rama's willingness to be lenient in that regard, also he is relying on this work about the minhagim between people of Babel and Eretz Israel. Okay. Next halacha in the Shulchan Arach, um, the Shulchan Arach writes, Ein shigirat hatanur mo'ele ela be'pat. Um, lighting the fire, only helps with a bread," says the Shulchan Aruch, like the Ram above. It will not help with a bishul akum. shigirat hatanor velo maale umorid. But when it comes to bishul akum, lighting the fire will not help. So also against Nachmanides. So the Shulchan Aruch Skon like the Rambam, which is often the case. Rather, what's the only thing that will help? Ela, hahanacha, dafta. The only thing that will help is placing it there in the first place. If you want to uh, uh, cook in uh, the oven of a non-Jew, Tzujakshu kei Yisrael ha-machva v'tocha tanor um, then a Jew has to put the food into the oven in a place that it can uh, cook. Meaning you have to be able, it has to be able to uh, cook from what you uh, did and not based on what the non-Jew has, has you know, has, does to it. Now, again, the Rama jumps in here with a leniency. The Ramah writes, Haga But there are those who disagree with this, uh, who Says the Rama, there are those who disagree with this. Yeah, the Rav Rambam and the Shulchan Aruch might hold this way, but not everyone agrees. And there are those who hold that. Lighting the fire, or even stoking the uh, coals, adjusting the flame does help with a bisholakum, just like it helps with pot, with with the, with the bread baked by ananji. And that is our minhag. That's what we do, says the rama. Then, not only does this work, says Ramah, rama. Even if you didn't even mean to uh, adjust the fire, and you did it without the in attention to be involved in the cooking a process that still works that still helps take care of the visual problem um and then he uh, also says that <speaking in Hebrew> and uh, furthermore there are the even those who say that if you didn't actually uh stoke the the cold, and all you did is <speaking in Hebrew> And you, you didn't even throw it in the stick. Even if this is even more lean, you lit a uh, fire A, then a non-Jew came and took from that and lit a uh, fire B and then cooked over a B, even that would work. So the Ramah really you know, allows even for the most minimal of, in involvement of the Jew, to take care of the Bishal Akam problem. Um, now, the Taz is not so uh, comfortable with this leniency of the Ramah. And like the Shach, he too uh, questions how the Ramah could be so lenient when it goes against the Peshat, the plain text of the Babli that we uh, saw. And also, and again, he asks the same uh, question. The last uh, text on page number three, uh, Tam This is a wonder to me. gemara. This is like against the explicit Gimara that we saw Um so she says, so, so you have to say the hakikamar. You cannot read the Rama as it is, because that just cannot be the case. meaning the Shah was willing to say, that the Ramah is against the Bible, and he must be relying on the other attacks that the Atuas does. But the says, says, um, no, that's not the case here. Um, rather, you have to reread what the Ramah writes, and this is what the Ramah really means. This is what the Ramah really means. That the, what the Ramah meant was it wouldn't have been uh, fully uh, cooked the way you wanted it to. It would have only been minimally cooked, which we saw that, you know, minimal amounts of, of cooking that uh, thieves would cook and eat on the run, which is, you know, a little uh, step up from raw. And that's the minimal amount that if you cook on a Chabat, you're liable for violating. And that's the minimal amount of cooking that you need to do without the intervention of a non-Jew. So that's what, that's how the Taz reads the Ramas. That's the the first thing he does. Um, And then he says also he limits the Ramas leniency to where it occurs in the house of a Jew. So um, go to the next three Adat and he writes, the ati, and it seems according to my humble opinion, the So, how do we rule what's the halacha? That you can only rely on the leniency of the Ramah, of that you can throw in a ticket if the food isn't adequately uncooked, if it's in the house of a Jew. Um, because uh because not everyone agrees with the rama the uh, now uh we see that and now we cruise because the rivet had uh said that there's no a problem remember this rivet. That there's no problem of eating a bishlok, op- if there's no problem of a bishlok op- if it occurs in the house of a Jew. But now, even though the Rabin Tam disagreed with that, so says the Taz, you can combine four and a five, meaning the, the kula of five. So even though Rabin Tam doesn't agree with that, if you put these two kulots together, then we can rely on that. So if you have being in the house of a Jew, and the Jew just adjusting the up, then those would be okay. So we, we can't rely on either of those alone, says, but we do rely on them two together. So but then he says, But if the food was being cooked in the house of a, of a non-Jew, then you cannot be lenient. Rather, the only way it would not be a problem of a bishulakum was with, w- in the house of a non-Jew would be if the Jew put the pot or the meat in a place where it could actually be uh, cooked. And that's the only in- involvement a Jew could have. Uh, but this would not work uh, in the house of a non-Jew or maybe the, you know, a premises of a non-Jew either. Um, and uh, this, to uh, between the shulach and and the ramah can, uh, continues in all these uh, uh, different areas of uh, akum. So moving on, since the next halacha of the Shochanar, he writes, if a Jew puts food on the fire, um, and then uh, takes it off the fire, and then a non Jew puts it back on, that would not be okay unless it had already been cooked. And Sifteh, the last halacha we're going to look at, he writes in Bishuve Oved Kachavim Machal Yisrael. Now, if the non-Jew cooked the food to that minimal amount of a cooking Machal Ben Durasai, then and then Gamru Yisrael, and a Jew uh finished it. Yesh la Asor. Some say that's not okay. Elam Kenu Arab Shabav Arab Yomto. Unless you know it's Shabbos or Yom Tivin, there'll be a, a great loss. So we will let you eat that food. Oshesh have said miruba, or you'll lose a lot of money if you don't allow this food to be eaten. And then the ma, ends off with the whole Inyan. and there are those who allow this in any case, even if you're not going to lose a lot of money, even if it's not erev Shabbat. And he brings a long list of people, and then he concludes no nohagen, and that is our custom. And says the shach has kamat, rov haposkin, and this is the view of most of the haposkin. Uh, uh, this is how we rule that we allow any leniency in a akum to help. So even if it wasn't fully uh, cooked. Um, I mean, it, it was just Kamacha ben Even if it wouldn't have been uh, cooked unless the non Jew got involved, even if all the Jew did was to throw a little uh, straw into the flame or adjust the uh, knob, that is all okay. That is the Ashkenazi uh, Pisah. And even Sephardim can rely on this sometimes as uh, Rev Yosef and Rev. Uh, Ovajah uh, safe ruled in the last text I brought you in his Yechaveh uh, Adaat, in his uh, Teshuvot. He writes about uh, bate Malone, a hotel, Humas Adot, and restaurants. Shubhem yesh shahiyak al kashrut mitam ha-rabanut. V'yeshlohem tudat kashrut. So these are a kosher restaurants and, and hotels, but who's the one who actually makes the food? It's Arabs who actually make the food. Um, and what does a Jew do? They're relying on the kula of the Ramah. The, the Jew, the mashagia, comes and turns on the oven. Why is that Okay. I mean that's okay if you're Ashkenaz, but Ravaja Yosef is writing for Sfaradim in this case, and he says he writes and it's a long, uh, long teshuva. I just gave you the highlights. He writes in the last last two words here. He says he, he says There's a double a doubt here, and we could be lenient. What's the double a doubt here? Israel. One doubt is maybe we hold like a toast a boat that you can really rely on the Jew being involved with the uh, fire in some capacity below rock a pot maybe that doesn't only apply to bread. And what's the a second a doubt? And even if we say we hold like the Rambam, my amanis, Shema halacha korei shapulim mu'shri be'Israel yesh maybe we also rely on this. Maybe we can also hold out thei that uh, went when it's in the house of the Jew. that's also a case. So someone asked this last week or two weeks ago, would that help in a rash, rash, uh, So it says Rava say we have two uh, doubts. and with, and that's known as a as a fake a fake a double doubt. and in the case of a double doubt we could be lenient. so and says rabbi obaggio say, this is not only for ashke nazim this applies to sephardim as well as he writes bisy akum in some gam has sephardim u bene yedot ha misrach amashi is mekhul et arech ul achov beit malon u bimasa'dot hakkesherem ide hasta khatra berot mikomit even nan ashke nazim can rely on these akulas uh, and go to hotels or restaurants that rely on this. And just rely on a Jew uh, turning on the oven even though everything else is going to be done by a non-Jew. Even though the cooks are non-Jews, You can be lenient because a Jew uh, turned on the fire. Uh, and again, Maybe we hold like a toast boat between the Rambam, between the Rambam and a toast boat here. And even if we hold like the Rambam, maybe we can rely on the Ramban in the house of a Jew, it's okay. And uh, therefore there's what to rely on. And says Rebovajah, that even Sepharadim could rely on this as well. And Rana on this Akula. And this is indeed a Kula that is very much relied on and many uh, of whose which have, um, Kashra certified occasions rely on these akhulos as well, as do many restaurants as well. Um, so that is our completion of official Akum. So, in sum, we saw a lot, um, saw that we have this prohibition against eating food cooked by a non Jew, whether it's a fear of a social policy that it will lead to intermarriage and a more intimate level of. Ming, uh, the link between Jews and non-Jews, or just a kosher reason. If a non-Jew cooks a the food, they may add non-kosher food uh, to it. We saw the practical uh, difference that arises between these two answers. And then we saw the various lenient uh, which were introduced with regard to uh, a visual outcome, both from the fact that this was already leniencies that were in the uh, Talmud itself, and also because of the uh, social realities of much time, especially medieval times, where many of the cooking was done by non-Jews, um, and often Jews did not have power or control over the use of the ovens, because there was one for everyone to use together. And again, that will become much more relevant in our discussion of pot akun. But uh, it's very clear from many different areas of halakha that in medieval Ashkenaz, non-Jews were doing... Um, much of the domestic work and that led to many uh, questions of halakha with regards to uh, Shabbat observance uh, checking for uh Hamid, and of course this area of akashas as well official akum how can we allow the food of a non-jew to be uh, cooked and we see the various ways that it's allowed so we, so, always the case, if the food can be eaten raw, by definition, it's not a problem of a of If it's food that would not be served at a king's a table or, you know, a very uh, proper, uh, formal uh, banquet, it's also not a problem of a bishwakum. If this mixed with other uh, foods, which there's no problem of a and it's in the minority, it's also not a problem. If the cooking occurs in the house of a Jew, that's one leniency that some were willing to rely on. And if a, a Jew is involved in the cooking process, now whether like the Rambam that has to be a meaningful contribution that actually helps the food cook or just a token kind of act where you throw a measly uh, straw into the flame or in our day adjust a uh, knob, um, we saw these two opinions and the Ramah. Is very willing to be lenient, like the uh, Tosa Boats, and in all matters of uh, Abishal Akram. Any minimal in involvement that the Jew has in the uh, cooking takes care of the problem of Abishal Akram. Okay. And with that, we have concluded our discussion of Abishal Um, So it took uh, two and three quarters or three uh, fifths, whatever time. but uh, and. There's so much more to say, obviously, and um, you know, um, you know I, I just want to mention a, a few uh, things that you know we saw when it when it talks about the kula that it can't be served, that something has to be served on a king's table. One of the terms was along with that was served on a king's a table la la la, la, la et hapat, to go with a bread. And from there, some say, oh, well, maybe it's only food that we serve with a bread. In which case, that would not apply to food, which is not served with bread, for example, deserts. Uh, so based on that, some say maybe there's by definition no problem of a when it comes to non-main meal kinds of uh, food. So or uh, desserts or deserts have no problem of a even if it couldn't be eaten raw and a Jew wasn't involved and all that. Now, um, maybe that would involve a cake. Now we're going to see in the next topic, well, what is cake? Is cake a bishalakum akum or is it bread or is it more like pat akum? So we will talk more about a cake when we get to our next topic um, right now, which is pat akum. And so now we get to um, our next uh, topic, which is in our same Mishnah, our Mishnah in Avodotara, listed... A whole bunch of uh, things that, uh, you can't have if they're produced by non-Jews. Um, again, not because they are in inherently, uh, uh, trade, but because they are things which the rabbis may prohibit because of these various reasons. So, um, the next, um, thing we're going to look at is pot akum, the bread of uh non-jew that was made so this is on the list these are the things um the things by non-jews um they are prohibited but you, you but they're not in apparently prohibited there's nothing like a trafe about them so you could get a benefit from them in other ways so milk milked by a non-jew that a jew wasn't watching and the next thing on the list is hapat the Hashem and Shalohem, their bread and their oil. However, it says, Rebbe baked dino, he tiru Hashem. But Rebbe, that's Rebbe Huda Hanasi, and his baked din allowed oil. So they prohibited bread and oil, then ultimately allowed um, oil. So now we are going to discuss this prohibition of a bread. Um, So I will stop this share, and then I will share my other PowerPoint about patakum, unless there's any uh, questions about official akum. Okay, great. So, um, patakum. So again, we want to know what is the reason for patakum. Um, So here, the Amara has a discussion about this. So the Gemara. Um, so we, we saw originally that um, Rashi wrote when he wrote his reason of intermarriage, he said that this was something that applied to every uh, thing. That all these um, all these things that have been made prohibited is because of intermarriage, chatmit. Uh, so um, okay, so let's um, look to source number three, on um, the third uh, source on this page. It says here after the Rashi. Now we're in the Gemara in Avodah Zarah, Lamidvav Amidbet. Um, it says here Ugeneva Mishmei DeRab Amar Geneva in the name of Rab said. Kula mishum abodat kochavim gazru Bahem. All these things were made prohibited be a, be a cause of I Tehiater Reb Acha bar Ada mar Reb Yitzchak. when Reb Acha bar Ada um, came from Israel to Abba, he said the name of Reb Yitzchak. Gazru <laughs> al pitan mishum shemena. So they made a decree. They prohibited their bread because of oil. Now ask the Talmud, why is oil worse than a bread? Why is oil the reason that bread is made prohibited? Allah, so rather, so don't read what we just said. Rather say the following: bread and oil were both made prohibited because of wine. Now wine we get, wine is a stronger thing, you know, people drink, they become a drunk and it leads to, uh, you know, kinds of behavior, behavior and that was, that was a direct result of Bino Ate and their daughters to prevent marrying, to pre- prevent people uh, drinking together and getting to a close and then ultimately leading down the road to enter uh, a marriage. But Now, what's so what's so bad about marrying non-Jews? You know, we never said why is that a problem. That's mishum tavar acher. That's and that's because of another matter. What's the other matter? Rashi explains: Enter a marriage's mish the the tavar acher is avodat elilim, idol worship. If you enter a marriage, there's a good chance that you will come to do idol worship, you'll, basically you leave uh, Judaism and Halakha. And the ala ala Tavar Misham Tavar And that is because of another man. Um, now Rashi here writes, it, it doesn't say, you know, there's another thing, what that is, and, the, the, and that's going to be a longer discussion elsewhere, okay? But anyways, again, here, the Talmud explicates that bread is not a problem on its own. I mean, bread is made usually from kosher and agreed, except here in Italy where they have, you know, large stuff to it. But bread is made from flour and water. And so there's nothing wrong with a non-Jew making the bread in its own right. It's because of what it would lead to. And it's even that is not because we are nervous you would enter a marriage, you ate bread together, but it's because then you might have wine together. And if you are wine together, then you might uh, dangle. Then you might marry each other. And then you might for a sake halacha and a Torah. Okay, so that's the prohibition. Now, the next question is, we see that uh, bread what is bread? Bread is food that you uh, bake. Now, if I were to ask you if a visual outcome is prohibited, if you can't have the food that's uh, cooked by a non-Jew, would you kind uh, of the fact that you can have a, a bread baked by a non-Jew? Of course not. Bread baked is the same thing as food uh, cooked by a non-Jew. And the question is, why do you need two prohibitions listed in the Mishnah? If we said Shilakot is prohibited, then of course their pots, their bread is prohibited as well. And the question is, are these really just two of the same prohibition, both coming from Abishal Akum, or are these two uh, different prohibitions? And why does that matter? Well, we saw that there might be uh, differences in the halacha regarding a akum on the one hand and akum on the other hand. Also, it's a wonder as to why these were listed as two separate categories in the Mishnah. Um, if they are just the uh, same prohibition, why does the uh, Mishnah list Official akum on the one hand versus pat Akum on the other hand. And why not just say pat shilako? And we would know automatically that comes to include a pot akum as well. Um so and the uh, a difference would be the case we saw in the in the Babu we saw earlier uh uh the uh, four where does it help to stoke the cold? Because that case was only said in regard to a, fa, a baking. And based on that, we saw the uh, Rambam say, well, that must only apply to pat akum, But it would not apply to abishal akum." And therefore, it's clear that for the Rambam, abishal akum and pat akum are not one and the same. These are two uh, different halachot. Bish is one gezerah, that's one prohibition, and it's more uh, strict. You have to, the Jew has to actually be involved in the cooking process to make it lenient. And pal is another halacha, that's its own uh, gezerah, and that has its own uh, halacha to it, where he'll say even a token act, act on, by, on, on behalf of the Jew would be adequate. And that's why for the Rambam, these are listed as two uh, different Yisurim, two uh, different categories in the uh, Mishnah pot on the one hand, and hashlakot, food cooked by ananju, on the other hand. Um, so that's a view of the Rambam. Um, our time has seen us come to an end. So next time we will see the Ran has another way to uh, read why pot. Akum and Abishalakum are listed as two different categories in the um, Mishnah, and, and he gives two uh, different reasons. One is that actually these are the uh, these are one uh, so these are the same prohibition, and the only reason they're not listed as one is because they were made at two different uh, times. So it's a historical reason. So really, they have the same halakhot. There's no uh, difference between them. But then he gives um, another reason, which is actually bread baked by a non-Jew and food cooked by a non-Jew are actually not the, uh, not one and the same at all. They have very uh, a different halachov. And as opposed to the Rambam, the Rambam says patakum. the bread baked by a non-Jew, is much more severe uh, and uh, strict than food baked by a non-Jew. And um, we just, I see a question on the chat. Does that mean other foods baked by non-Jews? Well, we're gonna talk about does this, what about other um, categories of food that are baked? And that generally is a category known as pat hababe, uh, kiss, you know what I mean? Which is things like a cake and uh, cookies. They're food which are baked, but they're not exactly like a bread. And this has other uh, relevance for other halachot as well. For example, do you wash on a cake? Would you a bench would you say be a katama zone on cake and other and pan a cakes and a pizza so I'm sure you know there or maybe you've heard that there are different opinions do you wash on a pizza or not so you've heard well, some will say it's based on how much you eat do you eat one piece that maybe you wouldn't wash because you're not making a whole meal out of it but if you had multiple slices of, of pizza in that case you would wash and save your katama zone because in that case you are making a whole meal out of it and that's because a pizza is another egg, egg, example of this uh, category known as pot hababe akistan. Uh, it's a bread like, but it's not egg, uh, egg, uh, exactly bread. And the question is so, what is the status of pot hababe akistan? Uh, is it like bread, in which case the leniencies, because most of us do follow, most us can go with the view that pot akum that is more lenient than a uh, bishalakim. So is pot it's part a it, uh, kissing a uh, cake, uh, cookies, what have you? are they like pots in which case well the pot akum will apply? or are they like a bishalakum, in which case we are more uh, strict and you need the involvement of a Jew in uh, some way. Also as we we're going to see pot although we'll talk about it next time, we don't actually hold a pot. Op-up. we uh, do eat pot op-up. 10 days out of the year we uh, do not and those are, the days we just left, i sorry, make There's a custom not eat pot during the, the days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So if this applies to pat habab the uh, kism as well, can I eat and uh, Duncan uh, Donuts or, an, uh, you know, or any you know non-Jewish uh, brand baked good during these uh, days? Um, so we will discuss all that and more. I don't know if we're going to put above the about uh, kissing next week, we'll have to see. Um, but we're going to get to this and next week um, and the week after. So uh, thank you all so much. Um, You're always welcome to send a questions. And uh, yes, can't wait to continue our now new uh, topic of pot outcome next week. And have a wonderful week everyone.
0: Okay, hey, thank you, Dr. Stroutschick. Thank you for the sneak peek to our next class <laughs> and to everyone who joined today on Zoom, Live, and Facebook. We are going to continue Drisha's fall programming tonight at 8 p.m. with the final part of a series by Rabbanit Leah Sarna called Kvod HaMait and Kvod HaBriyot, The Honor of the Dead. In addition to this one, we have many more classes happening right now. You can find out more information and find the registration links at www.drisha.org slash classes. And again, this is a reminder that you can always find our recorded classes on the website as well at www.drisha.org slash online dash learning. Um, Again, thank you everyone for joining and I look forward to next week.